Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our text for today from Matthew chapter 20 is one that is a little perplexing, especially for our day and age probably. There's a time and a place to preach certain things such as uh, preaching against works righteousness. That there are those in the world who believe that their works, their good works will grant them salvation. I mean, you talk to anybody nowadays, I mean, it's kind of cliche at this point when you say, when you're going to ask somebody whether or not they're going to be in heaven and they say, yeah, you ask them why and they say, well, I'm a good person, right? That's a natural part of our condition. And it's something to be preached against for sure. Yet at the same time, what seems to be overshadowed a lot these days is to exhort the believers of God to do the good works that are necessary, not for salvation, but for the good of those that are near to you, right? That is what's really necessary. I mean, in this church right now, I, I don't know of anybody that I could poll and say, do you believe that you're saved by your works alone? I doubt that I would really have anybody say, Well, yeah, right? Most of us understand we are saved by grace alone through faith in Jesus Christ, right? And so when we understand that our works do not justify us before God, that our works do nothing but condemn us, then we need to start getting to work. It's kind of a funny thing, right? Once you realize that that you can't do anything by yourself to gain your salvation. You know that Christ has won it all for yourself. Now it's time to get to work. That sound kind of funny? But it makes sense if you understand this parable. And if you understand what St. Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians chapters 9 and 10, it makes sense because you understand the promise. If you are saved by grace through faith, you trust the word of God. You trust him when he says that Jesus Christ has died for your sins. You trust the master when he says, come and work and I'll give you whatever's fair, right? I'll do whatever's right. Whatever is right, I will give to you. Just come and work. So you go. You trust him. You trust the master and you go. But you don't just go and sit around. (laughs) You don't just go and sit around. Well, it's all been done for me. It's like, Take it easy, right? Now the work begins. Not out of obligation, right? That's something we need to distinguish here. Not out of obligation. Because you know the obligation's been paid for in Christ, right? You know that Christ has died for your sins. You know that he fulfilled the law for you. He died where you should die. He paid the price that you should pay. And now you say, Amen. What do I got to do? What do you need me to do, Lord? Enjoy. In grace, what can I do? Right? 
I say this a lot in Bible studies and things like that, but it bears repeating a lot, that, that now that we are justified by God, now that we have had our sins paid for by Christ's blood and His merit, we now see the law in a different light. <clears throat> we now see it for what it was originally meant to be, that it's good, that it is good to do, that it is joyful now, that we say, amen, I will go and I will work in your vineyard, Lord. I will do what you need me to do. I will say what you ask me to say, what you tell me to say for your kingdom in joy, knowing that even though I may not do it perfectly, it is still blessed by you, right? I say all this and I have to pad all of this with a lot of grace with a lot of understanding of the gospel, with a lot of understanding of what Christ has done for us, because if I were to just get up here and say, now get to work, what might you call me? You might say that I'm a legalist, right? You might say, well, pastor, that's a little legalistic right there. I don't know if we should really be talking about works in church. But if I were a legalist, I'd be the one saying... Negotiate with God what's fair and do what he tells you to do because that's what gets you into heaven. That's not what I'm saying. I am not saying, nor would I ever say, that your works grant you salvation. Because it's not true. It's not true. That it's not a good thing to be like those first day laborers who went into the vineyard, before they went in, they negotiated their price, right? And then after they were paid, they said, well, that's not fair. I did all the work. We bore the heat of the day. These people who only worked an hour, you're paying the same as us? Of course, that is not the right thing to say. Of course, that is not what we as Christians do. So what I want to exhort you to do is be like those who were called at that last hour. Because in all reality, you are, right? You are those who are called at the last hour. You are not necessarily those Christians who came back in the time of heavy, heavy persecution, right? At the beginning, who bore the scorching heat of Satan's wrath against them. We've all pretty much lived fairly comfortably, I would imagine, in our lives in this country for a long time, that whatever work we've been given to do has actually been pretty light, right? Yet don't be discouraged because it's not discounted at all. It is seen as valuable that whatever you can do is good and God-pleasing if done in faith, right? That the master doesn't look at you and say, uh, I don't know, you've had a pretty cushy life. You maybe donated a few things here. You did a few good works here. You did that and that. Yeah, but you're not quite St. Paul, are you? So you get less grace, right? That is not what God does. God gives grace where it's not deserved. Even to those at the beginning who worked in the scorching heat, he, give, he gave what was promised to them, right? For us now, in this life, we need to be exhorted 
more often than not, to good works, as opposed to being told that your works do not save you. We need to be exhorted because now in our time and in our day, it's easy to sit back. It's easy, really, to be lazy, to be slothful, to be discontent with the good things that God has given to you. It's easy because the world and Satan just gives you all kinds of things to distract you, right? He gives you all kinds of things in sports and TV. I mean, I I personally think that it might be a good thing that the Super Bowl gets blockaded by truckers just so people kind of see where their priorities should be. You know what I mean? That we should understand that we have so many things that pull our attention away from God's word, his saving grace, the understanding that now that we are saved and we are new creatures in Christ, that we who once were dead are now alive and that living men do things. We need to be reminded of these things. We need to be woken up sometimes and shooken and just saying, wake up. Get your mind off of all these distractions. Get your mind out of your screen. Get your mind out of your worries and your concerns and understand what God has done for you. Be the one who runs the race, who sees the prize at the end, right? Who is who is who is dedicated, who has their mind set on that one thing, Jesus Christ, his salvation, his grace, his glory, his mercy, his peace. Have your mind set on that. Have a laudable devotion to Christ. Set everything else aside and run that race. Run it in faith. Do not run aimlessly as as St. Paul says. Do not box as one beating. Do not box as one beating. Beating. Do not box as one beating. Beating the air. Discipline your body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others and being that good example, you yourself should be disqualified. Right? But today in our day and age, we need to be exhorted to good works. Again, not because they grant salvation, but because they are good and God-pleasing, because you are doing them for your neighbor, whom God has given to you. Good works are a good gift, right? They're a good gift. So that on the last day, even though You may not have been the best teacher in the world, but you told a little kid about Jesus Christ. Even though you may not be extremely wealthy, but you gathered up your change and you put it in your mite box or you put it in the plate, that will not be discounted. It will not be discounted on the last day because on the last day, you will be vindicated. That's what happens here in this parable. That those who would lobby against you wrongfully, that you didn't do enough 
You didn't give enough. You didn't sacrifice enough. The Lord will say, don't worry about them. I choose to give them my grace because they understand what it means to be a son. They understand what it means to be a daughter of God. Because for those of y'all who are parents, you understand that you love your children inherently. You ought to, right? You don't love your children because they produce so much, right? I don't love Charlotte because she knows how to take forks and spoons out of, out of, out of the dishwasher and hand them to me so I can put them away, right? I don't love her because she knows how to take clothes from the washing machine and put them in the dryer. She likes to do it. It's kind of funny. I don't love her for those reasons. I love her because she's mine, because she's my daughter. And that's how God is with us. He loves us because we are his, because he has chosen us. He has bled and died for us. And yet, he smiles on us when we live out our lives in faith, in his grace. It's like a little boy who's, who's hanging out with his dad, and they go out and chop wood, right? The little boy chops, and he's working really hard, and working really hard, and he even takes a break. because oh, it's just so hard. But the dad says, oh, keep going. We're not done yet, right? He gently exhorts him. Keep going. We're not done. Keep going. So it rolls up the sleeves. It keeps on chopping. At the end of the day, who's got the bigger pile? The boy or the dad? It doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter in the end who's got more. It matters that the father loves his son. And it matters that that son's pile is added to the rest, that it's used, that it's worthwhile, right? So therefore, you who think that you can't do much, go into the vineyard and work, even if it's for an hour, you know? Go and do the good things that God has called you to do. If you need some help in where to go to see, well, how? What am I supposed to do? Begin with the Ten Commandments, right? Give it your best shot. And, and you know, though, that you'll fail. You know that it won't be perfect, but it's still good to try, right? It's still good to do it for the sake of doing it because it's joyful now, right? Remember that. It is joyful now to serve our neighbor, to love our spouse, to love our children. It is joyful now to do these things. And very generally, if you need some extra help with seeing how to do these things or what to do, where to begin, go to something like Romans 12, where St. Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is um, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? 
For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. Let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with 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 diligence. I needed diligence to get through that word. There you go. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. And in honor, giving preference to one another, or as the English Standard Version says, outdo one another in showing honor, Right? Be competitive. That's okay. How much honor can I give, right? Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. Never discount prayer. If all you can do is pray, thanks be to God, because God's the one who really does the work in the first place, right? Lean on him and not on your own understanding. Distributing to the needs of the saints given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil. For evil, have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink, for in so doing you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not overcome evil. Do not overcome by e- do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. With the good of Christ flowing through you now as a new creation. With the grace of God now given to you in your holy baptism with the grace that he now feeds you with his body and his blood given and shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Do these things, not out of obligation, but joy. Out of joy of your salvation, do these things for the good of those who are near to you. Because you do not want to be on the flip side Those who are lazy, those who think to themselves, well, I don't need to do anything now because it's all been made up. I 
and just sit back and relax. In some sense, that's a sort of works righteousness as well. You're actively holding yourself back. But we confess our sins by what we have done, by what we have left undone, right? That at some point in time, you need to be reminded that you do not want to be that worker who is told by Christ, take what belongs to you and go. What belongs to you by yourself is wrath, is death, is eternal damnation. But by the grace of God, he has saved you in Jesus Christ. He has redeemed you by his blood. He sanctifies you with his spirit. He points you to Christ over and over and over again saying, this is not why you do the work according to your own works, according to your fallen understanding. You do the work because of what Christ has done for you, right? So that as the tried and true prayer from TLH, actually, I love, I love the way that TLH puts it, uh, but we have it in the altar book, and sometimes I pray it. It's a beautiful thing to pray. That as we are strangers and pilgrims on earth, help us, O Lord, by true faith and a godly life to prepare for the world to come. Doing the work that thou hast given us to do while it is day before the night cometh when no man can work. The night comes, the end is coming, and in the end, it won't matter so much about what you've done, it will matter about your trust in God, in Christ. But while the day is going, it's time to get to work, in joy, in peace, and in faith in Christ. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.